Well, I hope this is working. <clears throat> We're having a few, a few issues over here with uh, OBS disconnecting and um, some various issues. So if you're trying to watch the show live, it ain't going too well. And uh, I was going to come in here with a bunch of... Ex oh, okay, actually, I walked over to the computer and I was like, I'm just going to own it. I'm just going to own it and tell everybody, look, I'm sorry. I'm late starting the show, but I overslept. I overslept like by 30 minutes and I loved every second of it. <laughs> and uh but now i'm but now i'm uh a bit behind starting the show and uh i'm not gonna blame it on tech problems I'm just gonna own it and admit that we had late we had storms all day yesterday and um school delays this morning and i recorded an episode of devolution power hour last night and so i just decided i, I just slept in i just hit that snooze button a few times and uh and slept in and I wasn't going to blame it on any tech issues, but now I'm here and I'm having tech issues. So, um, hopefully it catches up and starts working. I'm going to go ahead and do a show because if it, even if the live show can't, isn't working that well, um, at least the recording hopefully will. So we did have, we did have storms yesterday, rained all day yesterday and wind and that caused they're they're having school delays and they didn't they canceled school yesterday here because of the thunderstorms. I think it's weak. I think it's weak sauce. Just give the kids raincoats and and send them to school. Well, I say that. That's kind of like a reflexive thing. But then I also don't mind them not going to school because the schools are communist. <laughs> So it's like um, uh, missing school ain't that bad, except for they do make they do make them uh, they do have them make up the days later. All they care about is money. All they care about is getting these kids to attend school every day so that they can go to the state and said we had this many kids attend this many days of school. Give us money, and that's how it goes. All right, I see. Um, I think it's working. I've seen some feedback. It looks like you guys are. You guys waited around for me to to show up. I appreciate that you did. Um, that's right, Miss Mo. It's all about the money. That's it. It's all about the money and the glad handing and the good old boy network and the feel good stuff they do. The board meetings here for the school district. Oh my god. Oh my god. When my wife worked for the school district, I used to she used to pay attention to those board meetings, and I would listen in. Oh my gosh, it was so much happy talk. So much happy talk about how great things are. Meanwhile, the average reading level here is like 8th grade at best. Um, It's so bad. All the bookstores closed because nobody reads. <laughs> That's how bad it is here. All the bookstores left town because nobody buys books here. Because nobody can read. Yeah, they literally canceled for rain. And that's not the first time they've done it. That's not the first. They just said, it's raining all day. It's too dangerous for kids to come to school. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I am not at GART yet. I haven't, I'm not traveling yet. This is live. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're alive. I'm pretty sure. My coffee tastes like I'm alive, but I've seen the Matrix. So it could be an illusion. And I'm okay with it because this coffee is delicious. Um, 
I am home right now, but I'm leaving tomorrow, early tomorrow morning and uh, going to California for the Badlands event. Um, if you're interested in that, the, the virtual tickets are awesome. You get the entire weekend, all the panels, all the discussion. You get a private Telegram chat with all the other ticket holders and the host. And you can you can chat with us and you can send questions into the live panels. You also have all the panels on replay. So, you know, if you're somebody who likes my content and you like Badlands shows and a lot of them are going to be, they're not going to be happening this weekend because of uh, the event in, in, in California. So you can just replace those shows by getting a virtual ticket. Um, if you go to badlandsmedia.tv slash events, you can get a virtual ticket there. And um, yeah, it's totally worth it. It's totally worth it. In my opinion, it's a great event with lots of great people. So, um, but anyway, I won't, I'm going to do this show this morning and then I won't be around for Friday or next Monday to do a show. I think I'll actually get home at like 5 a.m. on Monday or 4 a.m. Well, I'll arrive back on the East Coast and get off my plane at like 4 a.m. or something, if I remember right. Maybe it's 3 a.m. on Monday. So no show next, no show this Friday, no show next Monday. So let's get this one in. Um, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna speak off the cuff for a minute. I did. Um, I covered this on Devolution Power Hour. They'll air tonight. We pre-recorded that. Let me just talk about the DC Circuit thing. And Trump's hearing yesterday. Because I'm sure a lot of people are interested in it. And I don't know how many of you nerds watched the hearing. Or watched. How many of you listened in to the oral arguments that were going on? Um, so uh, I listened to the hearing. And I thought it was pretty great. Um, that was pretty interesting. The judges were one of Bush appointee. And I'll, I'll go into this in more detail on Devolution Power tonight. We had a good discussion about it. Um, but just real quick recap. Um, the judges were one's a, a H.W. Bush appointee, and then the other two are Biden appointees. And um, just at a glance, everybody's taking this as it's not going to go Trump's way. It's bad, 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 um, because these appointees are going to be... These appointees aren't going to... They're not going to do anything favors for Trump. They hate Trump because they're Biden picks and Bush picks. So they're just going to rule against him no matter what. It's all crooked and corrupt. <clears throat> I can understand why people think that. But I would not I would not jump to that conclusion. Um, the judges, I listened, to, I listened to the hearing twice. And I read what other people had to say, both on the right and the left, legal analysts who are actual attorneys, not like me. And... Um, I listened to what they said about it and read what they said. And everybody pretty much agreed that this three-judge panel did not seem super warm to Trump's arguments of complete total immunity. But they also didn't seem warm to Jack Smith's angle of Trump has no immunity whatsoever. <clears throat> and they may, they asked some good, well, they asked some great questions. And they really press the attorneys. And the topic is interesting in and of itself, which is, should presidents have presidential immunity? If they have presidential immunity, which the Constitution says they do, how much, how much presidential immunity do they have? And the hypothetical that everybody, everybody ran with about, well, the president could use SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a political opponent. 
And unless he was impeached by the Senate, he would get away with it. And of course, we all know that the Senate would impeach a president who did that, assuming they knew that it was the president who assassinated his political opponent, just assuming that it was common knowledge. Um, is that, are we okay with that? <clears throat> and the, uh, the judge Henderson, who was the HW Bush appointee, she had this great quote about how there's a, how there it's paradoxical that you have a president who is charged with upholding the law and is duty bound by the law, but yet has immunity to break the law. And that that's, it's a very, it's a paradoxical situation that we're in now. It's been this way for all of our history since the constitution came about, right? So 200 plus years of history, it's been understood that the president um, had presidential immunity for official duties while he, things he did while he was president. And unless he was impeached by the Senate in a three, in a three, four, was it three fifths? No, I mean, uh, two thirds, unless he's convicted in the Senate by trial at a two thirds vote, he couldn't be criminally charged for official acts. And it makes a lot of sense because if you had a president who had in his mind that what I, what official acts I take while, while I'm in office, things I do, if my political opponents don't like it, when they get power, they could charge me with crimes. And so you don't want a president having that thought in his mind that I need to be careful what I do because my political opponents may seek retribution against me later. Um, you want the president to act and make decisions based on what he thinks is the right decision to make at that time, not be restricted because of a fear that his political opponents are going to come after him in the next administration. Um, and that makes a lot of sense, but they had some good hypotheticals and we, we went into it last night and they also had some good, um, examples, uh, the attorney, both, uh, I thought all the attorneys were great in, in answering questions of the judges. And I thought the judges asked great, great questions. Um, what I really enjoyed most, and on Devolution Power tonight, I, I go into it more, was the examples of President Clinton pardoning Mark Rich, Pardon Gate, for those of us who were paying attention back in 1999. You remember President Clinton's pardon of Mark Rich. And, um, the other example was Bush lying to Congress about weapons of mass destruction. And another example was Obama droning American citizens like Anwar al-Wallaki. And if they limit Trump's presidential immunity, if they say he has none, or if they trim it in some way, then can Clinton, Bush, and Obama be charged for those acts? And the thing about President Clinton is that pardons are 100% an official act. It's not personal discretion. It's not um, unofficial. It's not anything like, not a personal thing. It's as president, he had the power to pardon someone as an official act. And now we all believe, we have good reason to believe that that pardon of Mark Rich was purchased 
by the way, pay attention during that segment tonight because I dropped I dropped some fun knowledge about Mark Rich and uh, that whole thing. Um. So how would you how would you go about charging Clinton? Because that was an official act. There's nothing criminal about him giving a pardon. And then with Bush lying to Congress about WMDs, well, there was information from the intel community which was presented to Congress. Who's who's the criminal? Is it the intel community? Is it Bush? Um, is it the people, the analyst? Um, and the, is that an official act? If the president is receiving intelligence of such and such, and that intelligence turns out to be incorrect, was the president criminal in furthering or acting upon intelligence he received that turned out later to be correct? Again, I'm not defending, I'm not defending Bush here or defending Clinton. I'm just presenting these real life examples of where presidential immunity applies in some way. And where is that line? That's what they were trying to figure out. Where is the, that's what the discussion was about. And that's the, what this whole thing is about with Trump and presidential immunity is what are the outer perimeters of presidential immunity? Um, another one was Obama droning American citizens. Well, that's an official act. The president ordering a drone strike against terrorists. And the fact that one or more of them are American citizens, um, makes it a, it makes it an assassination, um, of an American citizen without, it's, you know, it's denying that American citizen due process, which is not too different from one of the charges against Trump. Um, one of the charges against Trump is denial of rights. Um, where is it? On just a moment. In the DC case. One of the charges against him is uh, conspiracy to not to deny civil rights or denial of civil rights. Let me grab it. Conspiracy against rights, 18 U.S.C. 241. That's what it's called. So could you bring Obama up on that charge? Well, his defense would be, as president, I made that decision based on information that came to me and um, I made the decision for such and such reasons and it was an official act as president. So therefore I have presidential immunity. Now Jack, Jack Smith contends that all of the, all of the acts that the, the, the crimes charged in DC um, and in Florida, and then also Fannie Willis contends that the crimes charged in a RICO indictment, that they're, they're charging Trump for actions taken that were personal actions related to his campaign, not acts taken officially as president. Trump says, no, every one of the acts I, I, I engaged in was an official act as president because my campaign was over. I was no longer campaigning. So anyway, the discussion was really interesting. Um, I think it's I think you could see the I think you could call this the hard problem of presidential immunity that if it is absolute then a president literally can break the law with impunity 
as long as it's perceived as a, an official act. And if unless the Senate comes along and convicts him at trial, then he gets away with it. That's it. He gets away with it. You can't, he can't be charged. And that's a plain reading of the Constitution. And so the responsibility is on the Senate to hold the president accountable for such things. Um, and how much do we trust the Senate? <laughs> the other thing that's pretty interesting is the Senate, you know, Trump survived that, that impeachment trial. Um, and the Senate tried to convict him and failed. So is this double jeopardy where he's already been put on trial After leaving office, the Senate put him on trial in the second impeachment, failed to convict him. So is Jack Smith bringing these charges now, is that double jeopardy um, in a way? Or at least, is there something there where it says, look, the Senate, you, yeah, the Senate already tried to convict this man on, on this same behavior, not the same charges, but on the same behavior. And was unable to convict him. He was acquitted. So how can Jack Smith come along and then charge him for the same behavior with a fresh set of crimes? So it was a really interesting discussion. I My takeaway from it, where I land on it, what I think is going to happen is, one, no matter what this three-judge panel does, whatever they decide, and I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to rubber stamp Judge Chutkin or Chutkin's order i don't i don't think they're going to just rubber stamp it i really don't and some liberal analysts i listen to um i listen to them to try just get a perspective of how liberals are perceiving this thing they didn't seem too keen on it they didn't they didn't think that the panel was just going to rubber stamp judge chutkin um they thought that this three judge panel may categorically uphold Chutkin's ruling but add on to it either by and one of the suggestions was and it's something that was based off of some of the questions one of the judges asked and I, I forget who it was I don't remember if it was Pam uh, or Pan or if it was Childers or whatever but one one of them seemed pretty interested in finding the line between official acts and non-official acts. <clears throat> and I think it's possible that, um, and th these analysts thought it was possible that the three judge panel may categorically uphold the denial of president Trump's immunity on these charges and judge Chutkin's order, but may require judge Chutkin to go through the indictment and, 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 uh, make a judicial note of what is an official act and what is non-official and apply immunity to certain official to official acts, but not non-official acts. Um, I thought that was a pretty interesting idea. Another thing they could do is guys, they could punt it. They're questioning about jurisdiction and they're questioning about a few other things, uh, made it seem like they were interested in an exit. Or at least they wanted to map out where the exit door was for them. 
So it's possible that they may decide we don't this we don't want to get involved at this stage. Um, and what they could do is they could say this is a inner this this is a we don't want to deal with this right now. He can appeal later and basically punt it back to DC Circuit. Um, so that the the tri- the case can continue, trial can happen, and then afterwards, Trump appeals. They may try that. Now, if they do that, Jack Smith will be happy somewhat, but Trump will appeal to SCOTUS, or Trump will appeal to the full 11th Circuit and then to SCOTUS. Um, Jack Smith also may go to SCOTUS if they do that. If they punt on this, Jack Smith may say, no, 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 no. I want I want this ruled on. And that seems to... Jack Smith's side wanted a ruling. They don't want this punted. They want a ruling upholding their view that Trump does not have presidential immunity for these acts. So, anyway, either way, it's going to SCOTUS. Either way, no matter what this circuit panel does, this thing is going to SCOTUS. And I think it's fascinating, and I stand by my original points on it, that there really is no downside for Trump. If they rule he has no presidential immunity for these acts, then other presidents don't enjoy presidential immunity either. And then it becomes a debate about what is presidential immunity and where does it apply and why. And... um now, I think President Trump should have presidential immunity, but just I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing if they rule actually President Trump doesn't have immunity over these acts. I also don't think it's a bad thing if they say he does, um, which I do think SCOTUS will. I think SCOTUS will come in and say that the president enjoys absolute immunity for acts taken as president unless convicted by the Senate. I think they will go with a plain reading of the Constitution. But I also, I just kind of wonder if they're going to trim it a bit. I think that, I think where where things could be changed is the line between official and non-official acts. And like, for example, I really like... I really like the Clinton pardon gate example because on the face of it, the president can pardon whoever he wants. It's an official act. You can't criminally charge the president for granting a pardon or clemency to whoever he wants. He has that power. He can do that. But with pardon gate, you can trace money from Mark rich. Um, some $2 million of it directly into the Clinton's pocketbook, the Democrat pocketbook, the ADL. There's, there's very little doubt that Mark Rich purchased his pardon from Clinton. So I think that example is a great one because you can prove, or at least there's reasonable suspicion that Mark Rich purchased the pardon from Clinton. And so Clinton through an official act enriched himself. And I think that's where, that's where a gain can be made for the betterment of our country 
if you lose presidential immunity when the act you committed is self is self enriching or there's some sort of gain for you or your your friends or relatives out of the official act you engaged in i think there's something there and maybe that's where we're headed maybe we're headed for a place where um the discussion becomes more comes less about well he's president so he can do whatever he wants and it becomes more about it's an official act and he doesn't have any there's nowhere for him to gain um and that so anyway that's a uh, those are some of my thoughts on it. It was a pretty interesting hearing. Um, we have a good discussion on it tonight on DPH. You, you're not going to want to miss it. So, let me start the show. I think things have stabilized. I think, I think it's working now. Yeah, it seems... Yeah, I think it's going okay. Okay. All right. Um, no, that's the wrong key. Where are we go? Where are we going? There we go. All right, folks. Oh, yeah. They did ask about um, Ed Meese's filing. One of the judges asked uh, Trump's attorneys... They were like, are you aware of the filing from former Attorney General Ed Meese challenging the appointment of Jack Smith as special counsel and his powers in his office? And the Trump attorney was like, yes, I'm familiar with it. And they said, what do you, do you have any thoughts on that? Do you, what, what do you have to say about that? And Trump's attorney said, we're aware of it, but that's not an argument we're advancing at this time. I thought that was interesting. They didn't knock it at all. I didn't take it as like they were like, eh, doesn't mean much to us. I think it was kind of like they were like, yep, we're aware. But at this time, we're not we're not advancing that argument. Okay. So I don't know if they're going to bring that up later or if they just kind of want that out there a little bit. I'm not sure. Um I, I expected more, honestly, I expected more discussion on it. <laughs> I expected it to, uh, um, I expected it to feature more prominently, but it didn't. I also thought it was interesting that that was the only one of those filings that they ask about. Um, if I heard right, I don't think, I don't think the judges asked about any of the other, um, Amici filings. So, for whatever that's worth. All right. If you guys enjoy the show, there's a couple links where you can you can support it. If you go to my link tree or you go to the links in the description of the show, uh, you'll find all of my social links, which Substack is the way that you get the podcast. I put the podcast out a couple hours after the show. I'll put it up as a as as audio and you can play it on Substack. It works great on Substack, just on the website or on the app, or you can uh, point it towards your favorite podcast player. Everything on my Substack is free, but if you're looking to support the show on a month-to-month basis or on a yearly basis, a paid paid subscription to my Substack is the best way. Um, Substack takes very little 
of the dollar that you send there. And um, it's also it's just a great way for me to know how much support I have because it's like I know how many subscriptions I have. So if you're looking to uh, to support the show, Substack is an awesome way to do it. But there's also if you just want to tip me, you can go to Kofi.com right here and uh, buy me a cup of coffee. I run on caffeine. It's very important to me. And uh, I appreciate all the all the coffees you guys buy me. And I really appreciate the notes that you leave me. Because uh, over here, you can, uh, when you make a, uh, you buy me a cup of coffee, you can leave a note. And I really appreciate it. I read all of these. And um, yeah, thank you for your kind words. BensonHoneyFarms.com. If you click the link in the show description or on my link tree, it's an affiliate link. And over there, you can get some delicious, just pure raw honey, 100% raw honey. It is awesome. I use it every day. In fact, I need to get some more. And um, my family loves it. It's just good stuff. I also like their soap. And I have an air freshener over there, which is superior to all the other air fresheners over there, of course. And they have candy, which is super addictive and totally not good for you. But my God, it is so delicious. Um, and honey straws and all sorts of things. Great company and great people. Use that affiliate link. Whatever you purchase over there, they kick a couple dollars my way. Bootleg products, similar to Benson Honey. Patriotic family with delicious products. I love everything I have had from this company. Uh, their sauces, their salsas, their seasonings, all excellent. The chili, it's so good. So over there at Bootleg, if you click the link, it's an affiliate link. Whatever you make over there, whatever purchase you make, they kick a couple dollars my way. They do have some codes going on right now. Free shipping on all do all the orders over $50. Um, such good stuff. Their chili is maybe the best chili I've ever had. And I'm serious about that. I'm very serious about that. It is it is so good. I also like um, their pineapple salsa um, quite a bit. Manly cans. Valentine's Day is coming up. If there's a manly man in your life and you're looking to find him a gift for Valentine's Day, a manly can is a great one. I have the Dapper Man can, and I like it very much, but there are all sorts of other cans, carnivore and protein and snack and smoke can and uh, all of that. But I really like the Bearded Man and Dapper Man cans, as you might suspect. And um, yeah, great company. If you make a purchase over there for the manly man in your life, that kick a couple dollars my way. And lastly, I have some merch. And for those of you who like, who prefer Venmo, there's my Venmo link. So um, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with my Rumble Clips channel, by the way. Just rent, just going to pick this up. So I used to upload my clips from the show to a channel all of its own because Rumble didn't have playlists and I didn't like it all being, um, I didn't, I didn't like it all being grouped together. But now Rumble has um playlist. So I've been putting a playlist together of clips from the show. And then I, I grouped up my Durham report. Um, and then by popular request, I put a John Benet Ramsey episode as its own playlist because people keep asking for where this episode is. And I've noticed <laughs> over the past week, it's gotten quite a few more views. 
I'm glad you guys liked that episode. I like it too. Um, it's kind of funny to me because uh, I I did not I did not believe in the theory I was presenting. I just thought it was a great uh, thought experiment. And then a couple weeks after presenting it, I kept on thinking on it. And eventually was like, yeah, actually, I agree with this theory. I think it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty good ding, pretty dang good theory. So I ended up convincing myself. Um, anyway, I put that up there for people because people have been asking about it a lot. Good morning, Karma Patriot. Good morning, Music and Fiction. Um, he said you should be able to make it to the GART in Dallas. Cool. Cool. I'm going to try to enjoy California. I don't think I'm going to be getting out much, though. I've been to California a few times. Um... I've been to California a few times and I liked it, but, uh, um, I don't picture myself getting out much. I'm probably just going to be hotel bound, hang out with some people. Good morning, Karma. So Hunter is at the hearing with, uh, Devin Archer. Is that what's going on? That's cool. Well, Congress is a shit show. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> that's how it is all right so um this morning i was going to uh get into some more stuff on bob menendez on senator menendez because he uh oh, why is that i don't want it to click right there why is it clicking right there ah there we go all right, so I wanted to get into a couple things on Menendez, and then we'll see, we'll see where we go from there. I wanted to grab this, so um, <laughs> Senator Menendez is an especially stupid man. He he is an especially arrogant and stupid man because. All of you know that the very first advice that any attorney gives their client who has been charged with anything or is being sued, the very first piece of advice they are given is to shut up. That's the very first thing they're told to do by their defense attorney. Shut up. Don't say anything. But this knucklehead decided that he would go to the floor of the Senate yesterday and speak about his criminal case. Let me say that I understand how the government's accusations made in the most sensational and purposely damning way possible. It's misuse of the grand jury system to bring superseding indictments, even though it had all the information they alleged from the beginning, can be a source of concern and content by some of my colleagues, the political establishment, and most importantly, the people of New Jersey. I get it. And I am suffering greatly as a result of what they have done. After 50 years of public service, this is not how I wanted to celebrate my golden jubilee. But I have never violated the public trust. I have been a patriot for and of my country. His golden jubilee. How how could you think it was a good idea to use a term like golden jubilee when you're charged with accepting literal gold bars 
as bribes for selling out your country to two different countries, Egypt and, and Qatar. Like, and he didn't, he didn't just speak for a couple minutes. He went on and on and on about his criminal case, like specifics. He didn't, he didn't just get up there and say, I'm innocent of the charges brought against me. They allege these things, but I never did. Like, it wasn't like that. Just like blanket. I'm innocent. Deny. Like it wasn't that he went into the specifics of his case into details I was laughing about it because in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, the DOJ is just like sitting there listening to him with a recording device going like, you idiot, just keep on talking. Just go ahead. Keep on talking about your case because every single word he said on the Senate floor can be used against him. Everything he said can be used against him. It'll, it, that speech is going to, is going to come up in his criminal trial. They're going to use his words against him. It's so incredibly dumb. It's also hilarious. And I love it. I love, I love it. And the, and the other thing he said, which Jonathan Turley picked out, uh, that I also love is that Senator Menendez set is tells his, his colleagues from the floor of the Senate that his second federal indictment, this is the second time he's been charged with corruption, threatens all of them. It is a glimpse of his defense play down the Senate floor. Which is stupid. Why are you advertising what your defense is going to be on the Senate floor? He dismissed the gifts as tri virtual trivialities. He's calling them gifts. He he's admitting to possessing them, and then he's minimizing them. Imagine minimizing gold bars. Imagine with a straight face... Telling the American people, look, the gold bars that I got were just gifts. And, the, and really, they were trivial. All right? not that They're not that big a deal. And then Menendez in the past is unlikely to convince many. However, he has shown that nothing says success as much as a hung jury. Notably, this litany of actions taken against countries like Egypt is legally dubious. It is the accepting of gifts as bribes that is the focus, not whether it produced uniform, corrupt results. However, Menendez is also raising constitutional concerns over the charges. In his parade of horribles, Menendez is suggesting that his 99 colleagues could be next under this theory of a, being a foreign agent. Well, good. Good. I hope, I hope all of them feel like they're next. How many other senators have been getting gifts from other countries in order to influence U.S. policy? So I want to dive into this one because Menendez went up there and said all that stupid stuff um, and let him make those mistakes, right? Uh, like let him, let him make their, those mistakes. I'm glad to see him up there being so stupid. But my friend, uh, well, actually two friends, contributed to this whole, um, contributed some information to this whole Senator Menendez thing. One of them is Karma Patriot, who's in the chat this morning trying to get everybody to watch Fox News instead of my show. And um, 
Karma, the other one is Dawson S. Field. And uh, Karma has been harassing me in our Telegram chat, telling me that Senator Menendez is connected to the Muslim Brotherhood. And I'm totally willing to believe it. And I told her I'm willing to believe that, but I haven't seen anything um, that convinces me that he is. I don't dismiss it, but I told her that basically I need, I need to build, I need that bridge built. I need some evidence that builds the bridge between Senator Menendez and the Muslim brotherhood. And I can understand how they could be related uh, because of who was buying off Menendez. It's Egypt and Qatar, like Muslim Brotherhood headquarters. Uh, so I can totally believe that he is. I just want to see the connection. And in the indictment, the connection wasn't um, wasn't exactly there. There didn't say anything about the Muslim Brotherhood. And when I was reading and going through the indictment, I didn't see anything that uh, struck me as being like, oh, that's Muslim Muslim Brotherhood. Um, let me go ahead and grab the indictment real quick, because I think we may need to refer to it. Let me, I'm going to grab the, uh, the superseding one. Of course, of course, superseding is best seating. Of course, where is it? There we go. We may need it. Oh, I can't, I can't word search it. Oh, no, I can't word search it. Dang it. All right. I'll just have to scroll, scroll, scroll. If I need to. Okay. Ginger, because thank you for the rumble rant. No, I don't think Menendez is a Judas goat. I just think he has that much hubris. I really don't. I really don't think he's a Judas goat. I think he's absolutely a totally corrupt swamp creature. And I think that he has, he's that arrogant and he's, he's gotten away with it before. And he thinks he can get away with it again. I, I really think it's as simple as that. Because he's... He didn't recently become this corrupt. He's been this corrupt for decades. Uh, both in, in New, his history in New Jersey is one of corruption. Um, so, yeah. Th it, this fits with his what he's you know yeah i would i would go with that karma he's old school corrupt yeah he like biden by like biden buying favors and influence and nobody holds you accountable um good old boy network getting his friends out of out of legal trouble by influencing investigations um influencing real estate purchases uh just so it's it's bad so Karma sent me a couple news articles which have uh, have built the bridge between Menendez and the Muslim Brotherhood for me. So this one right here is old. It's from July 7th, 2013. We're going to look at these in chronological order. Um, Senator Bob Menendez, Muslim Brotherhood needs to be part of Egypt's political future. Imagine at any time ever making that argument. And, you know, Menendez is kind of viewed as being more on the right as far as he's more of like a neocon type liberal, neo-lib. And um, 
it makes a lot more sense that he would be saying things like this now that we know he was being bought off, right? So this is from 2013, July 7th, 2013. Senator Bob Menendez of New Jersey believes the Muslim Brotherhood regime that was just deposed in Egypt due to dictatorial actions by the president needs to be part of the country's political future. Quote, an Egypt for all includes, in my mind, participation from the Muslim Brotherhood, Menendez said on Meet the Press early on Sunday. But you know, President Morsi himself acted rather dictatorially back in November when he said that his decrees were not subject to judicial review. When he said the Constitution Assembly, Constitutional Assembly was not subject to a judicial review. So at the end of the day, while I would have liked to have seen early elections and then see him test his support among the people and the people would have had a choice and therefore less likely to have them be further radicalized, at the end of the day, that's not what happened. So now the question is, can we bring everybody together to create a more inclusive society in terms of the representation that is it has in government? If we can do that, then Egypt has a possibility. Meet the Press host David Gregory had previously noted that, quote, if you look at the history of the Muslim Brotherhood, the intellectual fathers coming out of the Brotherhood of Al-Qaeda, now an Al-Qaeda ally, Ansar al-Sharia, the same group that carried out the terrorist attack on the U.S. mission in Benghazi on September 11th, 2012, is trying to intervene in Egypt now that Morsi has been deposed. Quote, Islamist terror group Ansar al-Sharia, which was linked to the killing of the American ambassador in Libya, said it would gather arms and start training for the imposition of Islamic rule, according to the Mirror. Quote, more than 1,000 people were injured as fighting swept the country yesterday. A running, a running battle took place in Cairo, and 12 people died when Islamists opened fire at an anti-Morsi rally in Alexandria. And here's, in the context of all of that, I mean, this is, a, this is almost a, a, a year after Benghazi. Bob Menendez is up there saying the Muslim Brotherhood needs to be included in, England, in Egypt's future. Now, fast forward nine years. This is from October 28th, 2022. Dozens of subpoenas issued in criminal investigation involving New Jersey. So this is like a flashback to them building their case against Senator Menendez that we are now aware of. This is pre-indictment. And um, dozens of federal grand jury subpoenas have been issued in the past several months as part of the ongoing federal criminal investigation investigation involving several individuals in New Jersey and the powerful Democratic chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, Committee, Senator Bob Menendez. Three people familiar with the matter tell NBC News. And see, you know, this is actually an example of why when you see people familiar with the matter, sources tell, like, Yes, that gets abused, right? Like media abuses this sources tell CNN. Unnamed sources have learned. Like, of course, they abuse that. And sometimes, maybe off, maybe more often than not, those sources are trying to get a particular story out there in order to control what the news media is reporting, control the headlines in the first paragraph specifically right but there are also times when what the three sources familiar or three people familiar say is actually true and it's a and it's good intel 
that media have gotten. So I keep that in mind because I, ne- I never want to dismiss something out of hand as a reflexive action, like just reflexively disregard a news story because it's from unnamed sources. Um, if it's named sources, it ups the credibility at the moment, but just because it's unnamed sources doesn't mean that I, that we, that I, or we should dismiss the entire thing out of hand. And this is a good example of where unnamed sources were correct. Dozens of federal grand jury subpoenas went out in the past several months as part of an ongoing federal criminal investigation involving several individuals in New Jersey and the powerful democratic chairman of the Senate foreign relations committee, Senator Robert Menendez, three people familiar with the matter tell NBC news. An advisor for Menendez did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Nicholas Biase, or Bias, whatever, a spokesperson for the U.S. Attorney's Office for the SDNY, also declined to comment. Two people familiar with the matter say one of the entities involved in the investigation is ISEG Halal of Edgewater, New Jersey. This turned out to be correct. Actually, everything so far in this turned out to be correct. According to the company's website, ISEG Halal is the only entity entitled exclusively authorized by the government of Egypt to certify halal exports worldwide. Um, this is in the indictment. Bob Menendez worked to make sure that this company, um, corruptly he worked to make sure this company had the exclusive authority in the U.S. Uh, to deal with halal exports or imports. Halal food products are the only food products Muslims are allowed to eat according to their religious beliefs. Among the rules regarding halal foods, they are first and foremost not allowed to contain pork or alcohol. Before ISG, ISEG halal was given authorization to certify all halal food pro- product imports, a terrorist organization known as the Muslim Brotherhood oversaw certification of four foods imported into Egypt, court documents state. Lawrence Lustberg, an attorney for the founder and president of ISEG Halal, Wael Hanna, who is now indicted, he is a co-defendant with Senator Menendez, says his client is aware of the government's ongoing investigation, quote, but he does not know what it is about. In a statement to NBC News, Lustberg said, quote, for some time now, he has asked the prosecutors to share with him their concerns so that he could respond to them and in a spirit of cooperation, share with them his explanations with regard to those concerns. Quote, once he has the opportunity to do so, and the truth comes out, he is confident that the government will agree with him that he has done absolutely nothing wrong. A federal court filing shows that in November 2019, the FBI searched ISEG Halal headquarters. Okay, so that tells you that the investigation into Senator Menendez began in the Trump administration. and continued into the Biden administration. When I tell you the swamp draining is continuing, I ain't lying. (laughs) I am not making stuff up. The swamp draining continues. The swamp draining continues. It did not stop when Trump left D.C. According to a filing by Lustberg, Federal agencies, cell phones, computers, tablets, USBs, business documents, notepads, a photo album, almost $6,000 in cash, jewelry, and Hana's passport. According to filings not just by Lustberg, 
by two federal prosecutors with the U.S. Attorney's Office for the SDNY. Most of the seized items were returned to Lussberg on January 31st, 2020. Lussberg added in a statement that based on his review of the evidence seized, he agrees with his client that Hannah has committed no wrongdoing. Well, that turned out to be wrong. The court filings don't specify why federal investigators conducted the search, and NBC News could not confirm whether or not the search was tied to the current investigation involving the senator. On Wednesday, Menendez advisor Michael Solomon said, quote, Senator Menendez is aware of an investigation that was reported on today. However, he does not know the scope of the investigation. Solomon added, quote, as always, should any official inquiries be made, the senator is available to provide any assistance that is requested of him or his office. Menendez, the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, was indicted in 2015 on federal corruption charges of illegally accepting favors from a Florida eye doctor, Solomon Melgen, that included flights on a private jet to stay at Melgen's resort in the Dominican Republic, three nights at a five-star hotel in Paris, and more than $700,000 in political contributions for Menendez, as well as the Democratic Party. That case ended in a mistrial after jurors were unable to reach a unanimous verdict. Several jurors later told reporters that they believed the government's evidence was not convincing. Federal prosecutors declined in 2018 to retry the senator. Menendez is not up for re-election until 2024. He has served in the Senate since 2006. So, the federal prosecutors may have decided, yeah, we're not going to go, we're not going to retry him. But they kept on investigating him, didn't they? They didn't get him on that thing, but they decided, you know what? This guy is actually swampier than we realized. Let's start up a new investigation and let's see if we can get him on something much bigger. And they did. And look at how long it took. If the if you got subpoenas going out in 2019, November 2019, it's reasonable to say that the investigation probably got spun up a year earlier in 2018. So here we are, 2024, and it takes it took 6 years. It took 6 years for them to indict this man on FARA violations and taking bribes from Egypt and Qatar. But now we have an indictment that isn't just for being bought off by some doctor. It's being bought off by other nations, two other nations. Next one. Menendez inquiry. This is from the same date. Menendez inquiry said to involve company that certifies halal meat. Now, what they did with this, um, let me see if this says anything new. Um, yeah, ISEG Halal, a New Jersey startup that had begun operations that same month, April 2019, Egyptian officials made an abrupt pivot. Okay. The U.S. Department of Agriculture documents show all halal certifications would instead be done by a single company. So this is in the indictment. Um, Menendez used his power to influence the USDA and make it so that certification of halal products would all go through ISEG halal. And the U.S. Department of Agriculture was not happy about this. And they complained. They said, this doesn't make any sense. And they filed a complaint 
And Menendez ended up getting on. It's in the indictment. Menendez ended up talking to the guy who made the complaint in a like a threatening way. Um, and this guy's definitely going to be a witness at trial. But Menendez used his power in the government to get this ISEG Halal company, which was basically a front company. It, the only reason this ISEG Halal company was stood up. Um, yeah, there we go. Uh, Menendez takes action to protect ISG Halal. Um, defendant repeatedly promised Menendez, this is Hana, the CEO of that company, payments, including through a low or no-show job at ISEG Halal Certified Incorporated, New Jersey company that Hana operated with financial support and backing from Fred Davies, the other defendant, in furtherance of the scheme. However, ISEG Halal had little to no revenue between in or about 2018 and early 2019 when it was named as the sole certifier of halal food products in the U.S. What they did, guys, is they set up a front company that was supposedly certifying halal foods for Muslims. And before this, other companies had generated halal foods in the U.S. If you wanted to produce halal foods, they were complying with it. You did it. You put a sticker on it. He certified it, whatever. He used his power to take that away and make it just this one company, which had ties to the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt. And they set up a storefront in New Jersey that had basically no income, but what they needed it to do was have some money traveling through it so they could launder it to the Menendez family. So they created a fake company to create a no-show job for Menendez's wife. And they needed cash flow. So they got it to be the only, the only one who could certify. After several months of non-payment following the initial March 2018 meeting, described in paragraph 19, Nadine Menendez, the defendant, complained to multiple associates of, of Wael Hanna about Hanna's failure to pay her and caused at least one of them to believe that Robert Menendez, the defendant, would cease acting for Hanna's benefit at his request, which would mean he would cease doing favors for Egypt unless Hanna came through on his promises and paid her. Nadine Menendez also completely directed Menendez, complained directly to Menendez about Hanna's as of yet unfulfilled promise, writing, I have been up so upset all morning. Will left for Egypt yesterday supposedly, and now thinks he's king of the world and has both countries wrapped around his pinky. I really hope they replace him. So Hannah sets out to get a monopoly. In or about spring 2019, which is what this article is pointing to right here. So this paragraph is in the indictment, basically. In or about spring of 2019, the government of Egypt granted ISEG Halal an exclusive monopoly on the certification of U.S. food exports to Egypt as compliant with halal standards, despite the fact that neither Wael Hanna nor his company had experience with halal certification. Prior to this action, a number of other U.S. companies have been licensed to certify U.S. meat exports to Egypt for halal compliance for years. The monopoly for ISEG halal allowed Wael Hanna, the defendant, to provide payments to Nadine Menendez and Robert Menendez. Indeed, on or about April 7th, 20, 2019, again, April 2019, 
An Egyptian government official informed HANA that ISEG Halal was likely to become Egypt's sole halal certifier for imports from the U.S. market. The next day, Nadine Menendez texted Robert Menendez, quote, Seems like halal went through. It might be a fantastic 2019 all the way around. Now, 2019, they certify this. They make ISG Halal the front company for the money laundering effort and influence peddling effort, the sole certifier. A report issued at the same time by the USDA's Foreign Agricultural Service warned that the sudden change in policy could disrupt markets and drive up prices. Seven months later, FBI agents working with prosecutors from the United States Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York searched the offices of ISEG Halal in the home of its president, Wallahanna. They seized computers, cell phones, Mr. Hanna's passport, and every single piece of paper in the company's Edgewater, New New Jersey headquarters, Mr. Hanna's lawyer said. That search now appears to be linked to the investigation of Senator Robert Menendez. According to interviews with two people with knowledge of the current investigation, those turned out to be true. The nature and extent of the investigation is unclear. Court documents filed after November 25th, 2019 FBI search of Mr. Hanna's property referred to statutes that relate to failing to register as an agent of a foreign government. Mr. Menendez said in an event in New Jersey on Friday that he was aware that federal prosecutors were conducting an investigation and that he stands ready to help when and if they ask. Mr. Hanna's lawyer, Lussberg, filed court papers to get the, docu- get the items returned. Um, he said in the papers that Mr. Hanna, a U.S. citizen born in Egypt, was told he was not the target of the government's investigation. Well, he became the target, didn't he? Mr. Lussberg, in his statement on behalf of his clients, said Mr. Hanna had asked prosecutors to share with him their concerns. Da 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 da. da. Telephone messages to a law headquarters were not returned. Antronig Andy Aslanian Jr., a New Jersey lawyer who said he received a subpoena four months ago as part of the investigation into Mr. Menendez, said he and Mr. Hanna once worked from the same office building in Fort Lee, New Jersey, and became close friends. Mr. Aslanian, interesting, is he because Nadine Aslanian is Menendez's wife. Is that just a coincidence? Arslanian, Aslanian? Is that just a coincidence, or are they related? I know it's not the same. It's spelled differently here. There's an R. Hmm. State records show that Mr. Aslanian, 83, registered ISAEG Halal and was a member of its founding board of directors. Mr. Aslanian said that during a meeting with Southern District Prosecutors in Manhattan, he was asked about ISG Halal. ISEG Halal. whether he had financial interest in its dealings. He said that he did not. Howard Dorian, a New Jersey lawyer who shares office space with Mr. Aslanian, was the company's registered agent from May 2019 to June 2021, according to records filed. He could not be reached for comment. Mr. Hanna acknowledged in court papers that he had no expertise in halal certification when he began operating the business in 2019, though it had been incorporated nearly two years earlier In a court motion, Mr. Hanna said the Egyptian government had given him resources to ensure that exported products complied with Islamic law. 
Okay, let me scan a little bit more. One of the um, records show Mr. Hanna and Mr. Aslanian have some involvement in both American and Egyptian financial circles. Both men donated modest amounts to Mr. Menendez's Senate campaigns. Uh, finance records show in 2016, Mr. Aslanian represented the government of Egypt in a zoning dispute over residential property in East Rutherford, New Jersey, that was purchased for diplomatic use. Mr. Hanna describes himself as an entrepreneur. In court filings seeking the seized items, which Mr. Hanna said were vital to his ability to travel and conduct business, he offered an explanation for why he was awarded sole control of the halal compliance market in the United States. He said, this is the defendant, before he was a defendant, but this is the defendant. He said the decision was made to deny the Muslim Brotherhood a financial stake in halal certification. There is no public indication any of the previous certifiers had those ties, however. Quote, the Egyptian government took away the Muslim Brotherhood's authorization to certify halal products in order to deprive the group of financial resources, Mr. Hanna said. They gave me the certification because they know that I am not associated with the Muslim Brotherhood and because they trust my work. So they set up a front company to insulate the mother Muslim Brotherhood. How about that? The decision was made to deny the Muslim Brotherhood a financial stake in the halal certification business. Hmm. I think they just changed the front company it all went through. Because the front company they set up was paying the wife of a U.S. senator and was bribing the U.S. senator. Okay. Gold bullion and halal meat inside Menendez investigation. This is from September of last year. In January 2018, Menendez uh, won a legal victory, had a hung jury. Weeks later, he started dating Nadine Arslanian. Mrs. Arslanian, who would eventually marry Mr. Menendez, quickly introduced him to one of her longtime friends, Wael Hannah. It, guys, they have to be related. They have to, it ha they have to be related. They have to be. There's just no way. Let's see. There's just no way that Aslanian and Arslanian are not related. It would just be such a hell of a coincidence. There's Nadine there. December 2018, Menendez met Nadine Arslanian at the IHOP in Union City. In October 2019, they traveled to India and he proposed to her at the Taj Mahal. They married October 2020. She has two 
children from a prior marriage and had divorced in 2005. It was subsequently reported that she had been involved in the December 2018 car accident that left a pedestrian dead. The case, which drew no, no charges or media coverage at the time, resurfaced in the federal indictment where prosecutors alleged Menendez interfered with the prosecution of a New Jersey businessman in exchange for a Mercedes to replace his wife's car. This is from August 1st, also New York Times. He proposed to her in India at the Taj Mahal. She holds a master's degree in French language and civilization from New York University, but it did not work outside the home while raising her two children in Bergen County, New Jersey. She... She is described by friends and acquaintances and two former lawyers in much the same way. Social, smart, and highly fashion conscious. She struggled financially after a 2005 divorce and even faced foreclosure. But by 2020, she was getting gold bars in her pockets. Miss Menendez, who is represented by Washington-based lawyer, blah, blah, blah. She has got to be related to that guy. There's just no way. Those last names are just way too similar. Mr. and Miss Menendez first met years ago at one of his well-known haunts in IHOP in Union City, where he was once mayor. They began dating in late 2018. They quickly found common cause, a desire for the United States government to formally recognize the Armenian genocide, which killed several of her relatives. In 2019, after a decade-long effort, Mr. Menendez succeeded in getting the Senate to approve a resolution acknowledging the deaths as genocide, a step that paved the way for President Biden's formal recognition of the massacre two years later. Court records and interviews with her former lawyers, acquaintances, and longtime friends show that the years after her divorce were a time of legal tumult and financial uncertainty. She relied mainly on alimony and child support and at one point picked up a part-time work as a hostess at a New Jersey restaurant. Past legal matters, Mr. Anton, who dated Miss Menendez before her relationship with Mr. Menendez, recounted being struck by her sharp intelligence, blah, blah, blah. Icky to go into divorce records, but I just wonder if she's related to this other guy who knew while Hannah and shared an office with him whose name is strangely similar to hers. There's only one letter difference. I don't know. All right, let me go back to this. It's a bit icky to go into divorce records. I feel bad. I don't really want to do that, if they're even unsealed. 
But you know, that's what that's what uh, Mike Roman did down in the Rico indictment, and he found out that uh, <laughs> he found out that Fannie Willis is getting her Fannie Willis by one of the prosecutors on that case, thanks to uh, divorce records, because Fannie Willis is going through a divorce right now, and um, those records were unsealed. Um, and then magically after he discovers it, they were sealed. <laughs> oh, dude. Imagine, imagine bringing a massive Rico indictment of a president, a former president while you also are going through a divorce and your divorce records aren't sealed. And then having an affair with one of your prosecutors It's a series of really bad decisions. All right. So let me see this indictment. Let's see this article from New York Times. Hannah agreed to put Miss Menendez on payroll. That's right. I'm trying to see how much of this is we don't already know. Because um, most of this I think we do know. Okay. I think we do know all of this. All right. Now I want to go to... Um, so anyway... Carmen Patriot built the bridge for me because it, it makes, I didn't know about ISEG halal being connected to the Muslim brotherhood. And it makes a lot of sense to me that, okay, that's how they're going to, that's how they're hiding the funding of Muslim brotherhood. And they're finding the, they're hiding the influence of the Muslim brotherhood via it going to the Egyptian government, then to ISEG halal then to the ISEG halal that's in New Jersey, then to Senator Menendez's wife through a no-show job, then through gifts to Menendez and his wife. So you got these layers going on there, but really what they're doing is they're buying influence with Senator Menendez. Now, I also want to grab this thread from Dawson S. Field. Now he he missed threading on the uh, when this indictment first came out, but yesterday he did a thread on this that connects it to some stuff I didn't know it connected to. It gets pretty dang good. So the indictment is related to Qatar Investment Authority or the Qatar Sovereign Wealth Fund, run by the royals in Qatar. It has bought influence in every swamp on the planet. People who tried to illegally influence Trump being followed to the corrupt politicians. Last year, a U.S. ambassador pled guilty for illegally lobbying for Qatar while serving as ambassador. I don't know if you guys remember this. But this guy right here, Ambassador Olson, was getting $20,000 per month from a Pakistani-American lobbyist while serving as ambassador in 2015. He was offered $300,000 per year to work for a Bahraini businessman. From late 2016, he worked with Qatar government officials. We know a few of those from other threads to, to lobby the U.S. government, including the U.S. ambassador to Qatar and several members of the House of Representatives. The Qatari diplomatic blitz was, has resulted in multiple criminal cases against swamp creatures from both parties, something that our media doesn't report on very much, do they? Such as... You know, like the only time they bring it up is if they can draw a connection to Trump, such as when Tom Barak or Barak um, was charged and ended up, he ended up taking a plea deal, if I remember right. 
for being a, a failing to register as a foreign agent. That's the only time they'll bring it up. So they can draw a connection to Trump, then the media will bring it up. But if they can't, then they just ignore the stories. Like I've been saying, the swamp draining has continued. They found swamp creatures in all types of in of all types to lobby for lobby Trump for Qatar. That was one of the things they were trying to do. So another swamp creature who got caught was White House Chief of Staff McMaster's and Secretary of State Tillerson. FBI seized electronic devices of former general in an investigation of lobbying for Qatar. You remember that? These Middle Eastern countries are buying off. They're, they're buying off as many people as they can. They're oil rich, and they're buying influence in our government. Qatar buys a lot of fake news. Actually, let me scroll up. Uh, in 2021, their finance minister in Qatar was arrested for corruption, though he was likely the fall guy for a much higher level of corruption. Qatar buys a lot of fake news and friends in various swamps. Looks like they stumbled into Trump family trap set by Jared Kushner. You know, the media is always trying to say that Jared Kushner is corrupt and he's the money bag man for Trump. You know, it might be okay to call uh, Jared Kushner Robin. It might be fair to say that uh, we were having this discussion the other day about who is, um, if Trump is Batman, who's Robin? Maybe it's Jared Kushner. Could be. Qatar buys a lot of fake news and friends in the various swamps, blah, blah, blah. They even got caught bribing EU officials, too. This was, uh, I seem to remember this. Yeah, yeah, a Belgian member of European Parliament charged with corruption in Qatar corruption scandal. You can even find Paul Manafort involved with his pal and Putin puppet Poroshenko selling ports to Qatar. That's right. One of the many plants... One of the many plants, Paul Manafort. President Poroshenko in Ukraine was selling off Ukraine's ports to Qatar. Qatar is always willing to buy access to swamp creatures when there is profit to be made. Steel dossier subsource and alleged Russian agent Igor Danchenko, along with lots of Spygate players, worked for Brookings Institute, which is heavily funded by Qatar describing their investment in Brookings as equivalent to owning an aircraft carrier. Oh, is, oh, did Avery get suspended? I would, oh no. No wonder I haven't seen that account in a long time. I wonder what they did. No wonder I haven't seen that account in a long time. I may have already known that and forgotten it. I don't know. All right. So Qatar is also involved in the FIFA bribery scandals for the World Cup, an investigation that Christopher Steele was hired by various parties and attempted to feed FBI information that led the led away from Russian, UK, and Qatar corruption. Did you know that Christopher Steele was involved in the FIFA World Cup scandal? 
The swamp is pretty small, actually. Like, we think of it as big, but a lot of the swamp creatures, they come up over and over and over again. The same swamp creatures. Over and over. The country of Chad shut down Qatar's embassy shortly before its president was assassinated. Qatar Investment Authority was involved with the Chinese oil company CEFC that attempted to bribe that president and got busted. Can you believe it? Can you believe that here we are talking about an indictment of this swamp creature? And we end up having a connection to CEFC? Qatar's corruption involvement in oil business also leads to Nigeria, a country that is swamped by extractive industry corruption involving many of the commodity trading firms that created many of the world's swamps. Some of you will never guess which undercover asset of the Trump administration caught CEFC and their Qatari funders. Now, this is, uh, this is Dawson's theory, which I am not 100% on board with. But I do find it compelling. So Dawson thinks that Hunter Biden and Jim Biden are undercover FBI assets, just like Trump and um, his brother Robert were. And that the news stories about the Bidens being corrupt are... Um, are fake news, just like the fake news stories about Trump being corrupt. But that you need those stories because you need the swamp creatures to think they are corrupt so they'll be willing to do deals with them. Just like um, you need the swamp creatures to believe that Trump is corrupt so that they'll approach Trump trying to do deals with him. That makes sense. So you need the same thing in regards to the Bidens. I disagree, and I think that Hunter flipped. I think that Hunter and, and the Bidens are corrupt and are swamp creatures, but that they got caught, and at first, they weren't willing assets. They weren't willingly serving as sources, but eventually they became willing ser they willingly serving as corrupt as sources. Um, so I... See, for me, it's like I totally get what Dawson's saying, and I think it's a, I think it's um, I I think it's where one of those situations where Dawson sees the same thing as many of us see that makes us believe that Hunter flipped, and Dawson just works further backward and says, actually, he was never bad. It's always been a cover, and. I think that he flipped. So, but it doesn't, it doesn't really matter because we see the same thing. So like, it's a disagreement about when did it begin and how, but regardless, 
we both think that Hunter did flip and is helping catch bad guys, right? And right here, this one right here, during the Trump administration, Dawson says, why can't people see the obvious when it's buried behind salacious allegations? Hunter and Jim Biden cut a deal with Patrick Ho, but before it could be realized, he was caught on a bug at a Trump property bribing a variety of UN and African officials. Hunter's partners got busted. This is literally true. These are, these are literally true statements right here. It's what you make about them that it's what you make of them. That is like the story, like as burning bright says, it's the story, right? Like these are literally true, but it's the story we're told about these, uh, these literally true facts and events that changes how we end up viewing the facts and events, right? The story matters so much. So dailymail.com can reveal messages between Hunter Biden and young Chinese American woman who worked in his business venture with Patrick Ho. In an audio recording, Hunter describes Ho to a friend as the spy chief of China. The young secretary, Jiaqi Bao, I'm not sure, worked for Hunter during his partnership with Chinese oil giant CEFC in a multi-million dollar deal. Bao, then age 29, scheduled flights, hotels, and doctor's appointments for him. She sent him opposition research to help Joe Biden's 2020 election bid and wrote flirty and personal messages and ended up with his military dog tags. She also encouraged him to draw from the company's accounts before they were shut down. Hunter and Joe Biden's brother, Jim, partnered with CEFC in 2017 in a deal that was meant to generate billions of dollars, but the joint venture collapsed the following year when CEFC Secretary General Ho was arrested and convicted of bribery in the U.S. Now, I'm 100% believe that Hunter uh, caught Patrick Ho. I think, I think he caught Patrick Ho. And... um. Seems like as soon as Hunter makes a deal with you, you end up under a FISA. That's true. That's true. See, as soon as you make a deal with Hunter Biden, you get a you get indicted. Like, look at all of the people that Hunter Biden was business partners with who are now indicted. And then now Hunter's indicted. Um I want to see which property was it at. Spy chief of China. I want to see which, which Trump property, Trump World Tower in Midtown Manhattan. Think, think about this, guys. Think about this. What are the odds? What are the odds that Hunter Biden decides he's going to have a super important meeting to discuss a super corrupt business deal with Patrick Ho of CEFC, and he decides, let's go have that meeting at Trump Tower? He literally took the swamp creature to Trump Tower, which is bugged, Floor by floor <laughs> for sting operations. <laughs> like just like every Trump Trump property. Every Trump property is is like is a trap for for organized crime. Every single one. 
so you can't tell me that Hunter just like think about that. Like Hunter knew what he was doing. Hunter knew what he was doing having that conversation there. All right, let's go let's go back to this. Um we may talk a little bit more about the differences between Dawson's theory versus our theory. I actually think Dawson's theory has a lot of merit and I respect the theory and I leave the door cracked open to the possibility that it's true. I really do. Um, I think it's, I do. I'm more convinced that it's flipped And my, if I have to put a dollar down on it, I'm going to say that Hunter was caught years ago. Like I said on devolution power hour, and we got into an argument about it, which was a lot of fun. I think Hunter got caught back in 2014, 2015, and decide and flipped um but anyway i want to go to this qatar also connects into spygate okay um qatar is the heart of many of the biggest corruption scandals in the world and even played a major but rarely discussed role in spygate slash russiagate mess I've got dozens of threads on these issues. Qatar connects into the bank corruption in the UK following the 2008 economic problems. Barclays got a $13 billion bailout from Qatar by bribing officials and royals to get them to prop up the bank. The original retweet is gone, but this thread shows how Trump used Michael Cohen to introduce notorious swamp creature Franklin Haney to the Qatari investment fund. So... If you guys don't know, Michael Cohen is also an FBI asset. I know we're all supposed to hate Michael Cohen right now and laugh at him and mock him. And yeah, we are. We are supposed to. But it's absolutely kayfabe. Michael Cohen is yet another FBI asset who has been helping Trump catch bad guys for years and years and years. And their falling out is all kayfabe. It's all kayfabe. Um, and Michael Cohen helped catch some Qataris. He also helped catch some swampy Russians, him and Felix Sater, uh, with the Trump Moscow Tower deal. Um, and then when Michael Cohen got raided, it was a transfer of evidence. And it set up a precedent to where a president's um, attorney um, could be raided by the FBI and the process for doing that and the filter team and the special master and all that kind of stuff. And I went into that in my, my template article. Um, Chad's recently assassinated president turned down a bribe from Patrick Coe of CEFC. Um, CEFC was working with Qatar who were funding terrorists out of Chad. Do you know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of Gal Luft. Yet another person who our media puts up to us as being a good guy who is wrongly being chased by the crooked Biden Justice Department. Grr, they're so bad. But Gal Luft, who was indicted back in November of 2022, but it wasn't unsealed until this past summer. Gal Luft was the CEFC's guy in Chad and in the Middle East and North Africa, who was weapons trafficking. Galuft is definitely connected to Israeli intelligence. And he was, he was the point man on the sales between, um, of oil and, um, and, and arms deals in North Africa. 
um, including to the country of Chad. And I'm now I'm thinking back to this indictment, and I'm wondering if it also connects to um, the Muslim Brotherhood. Let's see. Deals involving Libya, United Arab Emirates, and Kenya. That deal in Libya, that might connect to the Muslim Brotherhood. I mean, um, yeah, in Lib yeah, in Libya. Huh. I remember threading about this and I and I wasn't um I wasn't thinking about the Muslim Brotherhood at the time. But now I am. This was 2016. I'm going to have to look back at this. I'm going to, I'm going to have to look back at this. So, um, I don't know if you guys remember this, um, but I was, um, if you guys don't remember, I don't know if you, how many of y'all remember who Gal Luft was or is who he is. Um, but you'll probably remember his face. I was going to see. Let me get the NY Post story because uh, there we go. Y'all may remember this. Miranda Devine has reported a lot on it. And she was like the first person early in 2023 to come out and talk about Gal, this guy. And the narrative that Miranda Devine and other um, pe media people on the right were putting forth was that Gal Luft knows about Hunter Biden corruption, that how corrupt the Bidens are, and he has evidence against them, but the FBI is trying to shut him down, and he's on the run, and he's the missing witness that House investigators want to have testify, but he can't because the FBI is after him because they're crooked and they're doing Joe Biden's dirty work, and Blah, 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 blah. It's all that kind of a narrative. And as soon as that first article, whatever that first article was that she put out, I immediately recognized it as, no, this guy is putting up a narrative shield for himself because he is wanted. And he is connected to some really swampy, swampy people, um, including... Um, former CIA director uh, what's his name I need to go back to my uh, my thread on it what is his what is his name swampy CIA director who was uh, installed into Trump's campaign there we go He's, he's always been, there's been so many red flags about this guy. Um, James Woolsey. That's it. 
James Woolsey, who was installed into um, Trump's campaign to try and corrupt Trump's campaign. And Gal Luft was part of that. So look at all these names. Look at all these names that this guy connects to. Yeah, that same yeah, above first base, yeah, the that same Miranda Divine. No no insult to her. I disagree with her on a lot of stuff, and sometimes I think she does she she posts things that are like um like she's just playing narrative games like so many other influencers and journalists do that you know, maybe the fake news like they're meant to put out that fake news. Um but other times I think that it's just clickbait. I don't know. I don't know. I I, I don't really make judgments of her because she does some good work too. So whatever. Um, but yeah, this guy, um, his think tank, um, the Institute for Analysis of Global Security, uh, Gal Luft and James Woolsey are directors in it. Well, he's a director. James Woolsey is the co-founder and chairman of it. Completely corrupt um, deal. They were connected. They got into Trump's campaign and um, this guy was, ha was Gal Luft was writing position papers for James Woolsey CEFC was, they were going by CEFC and like running it through. Do you support this? They were trying to influence the Trump administration to, um, come up with policies favorable to CEFC. Um, I need to go through that again and see how it connects. Let me go back to Dawson's thread before I rabbit trail too far. Um, some of you may have guessed where the big breakthrough against the QIA, the Qatari Investment Authority, started. Trump sent Michael Cohen to meet American swamp creature Franklin Haney and introduce him to the Qataris. FBI asset Donald Trump gave a swamp creature a tip to do business with the Qataris. This is how it works. Trump's like, nudge, nudge. Hey, you know, hey, Frank, you might want to check into the uh, Qatari Investment Authority. They might have some interesting deals for you. And then Trump sends Michael Cohen to serve as the middleman in those deals, in those talks between Franklin Haney and the Qatari swamp, the U.S. swamp and the Qatari swamp. And then post that, they found out they find out who else is involved with the Qatari swamp. And there have been indictments coming out of that for years. Remember the 19% of Russian oil company Rosneft? that Carter Page and Trump were supposed to get. Remember that Carter Page was supposedly this swamp creature. He's also an asset. It's 100% confirmed. Carter Page is an FBI asset um, and CIA asset as well. It was actually sold to CEFC, QIA, and Glencore, the company of Mark Rich, who was famously pardoned by President Clinton in his last day in office. God dang, this is a... The swamp is so small. Like it's big. It seems like inconceivably big when you focus on all the small players. But the more you dig into Trump's work to drain the swamp, the more you find the same swamp super creatures popping up over and over again. And you realize that really the swamp is very small. And then you start finding the same players working to drain that swamp. Like Rudy Giuliani, 
and Trump. Um, it's it gets fascinating, and it's yeah, music and fiction. Maybe it's fair to say the swamp is small, but it's deep. Check this out. Mueller's secret subpoena is now said to involve Egypt, not Qatar. But Qatar, CEFC, and Glencore were the ones who bought the 19% stake in Russian state oil company Rosneft that was supposed to be a bribe to Trump through Carter Page. Israeli swamp creature Gal Luft, who I just, we just looked at that indictment, who some believe to be a whistleblower when he was trying to sell Trump to China using Clinton CIA director Woolsey to infiltrate his team, used Qatar as a middleman to illegally sell Chinese weapons to Libya. Yep, to Libya. To Libya. Yep, Qatar is in there. Yeah, Qatar is in that indictment. Okay. A Barclays bank executive was charged with paying bribes to Qatari officials as part of an effort to get $13 billion for a bank bailout in 2008. Qatar bailed the bank out by using its wealth funds to invest in the bank, buying a portion of Barclays to save it. The Qataris bought influence wherever they could find it. They provided more than a million dollars as a gift to the Clinton Foundation while Hillary was Secretary of State in a charge to pay to play in a pay-to-play scheme. Uh, digging through the new indictment, this is a big thing that I found. Senator Menendez, chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, introduced his indicted friend to Qatari, Roy- um, Qatari Royals to discuss the investment opportunity. Dawson thinks that the royal is Mansur al Mahmoud, CEO of QUIA. Well, I'm going to scroll down to show you something. Is it there? Maybe it's somewhere else. One of these tweets, Dawson or somebody commented that uh, that person was in New York the same week of that that introduction. Let me see if it'll pop up at the bottom of it. There. Oh, it was the next tweet. My bad. Mansur al-Mahmoud was in New York City having meetings during the week in which the alleged meetings in New York happened. There he is. In New York. Does it say what buildings he went to? Did he happen to go by Trump Tower? (laughs) I wonder what building he's in right there. That looks like Central Park. I wonder. I wonder what what building he's in. Menendez has was asked to support a Senate resolution recognizing guitar, a resolution submitted by Lindsey Graham. Wonder if anyone has checked his house for gold bars. Oh, now we get, now the comments are showing up. Um, All right, so 
here's the actually all right this is a good point of discussion oh it lost it there we go there we go can't blame you can't blame people for thinking this that senator menendez is engaged in the same type of corrupt activity that biden was engaged in as senator and then vp you can't you can't blame people for thinking that but then you're faced with the contradiction of this justice department going after Menendez and all these other swamp creatures. Like I saw a news story the other day about how it was some emotionally hyperbolic story about how Biden's not doing anything to stop Chinese infiltration and all of this stuff. And it's literally untrue. Like there's been more indictments of Chinese agents in operating in America under the Biden administration than there were under the Trump administration. And yet that gets ignored. And this, this narrative that the Biden administration is bought off by China and is giving a pass to China on all this stuff. It's when you dig in, it's, it's not true. And so you're faced with this, like, what is, is it because Biden isn't who we were told he was, or is it because Biden has changed or Biden's controlled or, um, whatever you, and so you look at th something like this and you can understand why someone would, uh, from all the stories about Biden and um, his family and the Biden corruption, you would think, okay, Menendez is just a smaller version of the swamp creature that, Bi that Joe Biden is. But you also can't blame Dawson for being like, no, actually, it's that Biden caught Menendez. Because you can build that angle out too. And I think the fact that you can build both angles out, like like both takes, you can you can construct either one. And whichever one is true, it's interesting, and I want to know which one's true, but what I'm really uh persuaded by right now is that one, the swamp draining is continuing, most importantly. Two this superseding indictment that details Menendez swampy schemes, it being news right now, while the Biden impeachment inquiry is spinning up, while Hunter Biden is also under a couple of indictments, while all of that is news, Republicans are um, had that hearing today. Um, they're th they're thinking about holding Hunter Biden in contempt. Like all of this stuff being news right now seems 100% Patriots in control. Because whether the Bidens actually are as corrupt as what our media on the right tells us they are and what Trump says they are, okay, it let's just, let's, whether they are or not, it's definitely the narrative that Trump wants out there. 100% President Trump wants the American people to believe and see that the Bidens have th this corrupt scheme going on. And 
an indictment like Menendez spells it out point by point how it works. And I saw earlier Karma made a point about how you can undo where where did Karma's comment go? Karma said you can disprove instantly that the Bidens aren't actually as corrupt in its all narrative by simply following the money. The Biden bank accounts alone debunked the idea that they were ever good guys. They profited from the operations. I think they almost do. I don't think we can concretely 100% say that yet. It's all pointing in that direction. It's all headed in that direction. But I haven't seen anything from the oversight committee that 100% connects it to their bank accounts. It, I think we're almost there. I think we're almost where you can build that. And I, can, I, I don't blame anybody for leap for uh, going ahead and saying, I'm going to just go ahead and make that hop. I think I think we will connect it. Um, but you know, like all of these LLCs they had set up, um, it's the story about them. If they're set up to hide money, laund money that's being laundered into their personal accounts, then you've got it. But if they're set up to catch swampy transactions, then it's a horse of a different color. Um, and maybe one day we'll see the change. Like maybe one day we'll see that some of these LLCs were set up for these swampy deals, right? And were enriching the Bidens. And then suddenly there was a change. And that's when the flip happened, where those LLCs went from being the golden gooses to being traps to catch the corrupt transactions and to eventually catch these swamp creatures, right? Um, I like toying with both both things in my mind. I like seeing it from both angles and trying to figure out which one I find more compelling, absent the news narratives. Like just try and pull push out of your mind as many of the news narratives about how corrupt they are, and just see where the evidence leads. And then the other thing, I saw a couple people mention the uh, porn on the laptop and like the sex stuff that's on the laptop. I think a lot of that is um, blackmail against Hunter that the that the Chinese had on him. And I've said this before. I think that um, that a lot of the the sexual content that's on there, not all, but I think a lot of it, it appears to me to be stuff that was record in the drug use stuff. A lot of it appears to be stuff that was recorded without Hunter's knowledge and I think was created as blackmail against him. And that one of the ways Hunter undid that blackmail was by loading it up on the laptop and giving it to that um, to the laptop store, which then gave it to the FBI. So like I've said this before, the way that you deal with, um, or one way to remove the threat of blackmail that your enemy has against you is to make that blackmail public yourself. Because then the enemy can't hold it over your head. 
I think like, and that's what I see happening with Hunter Biden's laptop and all of that stuff being on it. Um, I think that by making it public, it undid the blackmail that the Chinese had on him because now they can't use it. They can't threaten him. Oh, we're going to make this public. If you don't do what we want, well, too bad. I already made it public myself. All right. There were a couple more rants. Um, I see Jason. Let me make sure there wasn't another one that I missed. MZ Nocera, Miss Nocera 55. Awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah. Looking forward to hanging out with you at the Badlands event. It's going to be a great time this weekend. I can't believe it's already here. Um, and let's see. Jason of GTA, you've made a couple. You said, in retrospect, those Trump campaign plants seem like Council of Foreign Relation plants, like the Fourth Reich. Do any connect to Chuck Schumer by any chance? I don't know if they do. Um, Possibly. Um, and then you also said, I keep getting the impression these old gangsters are dying off and these idiots are suddenly getting more than they can handle. Yeah. I think that's some of it. I think, I think the dam on the swamp is busted and the swamp is draining out. Um, like, I, th I think the dan the we're learning about all these swamp creatures because the the dam is busted and the water is draining out and now we're seeing it all be exposed. So, um, and that's a great thing and that's something worth worth celebrating. Um, now Karma says she's going to go and find. What is she going to go do? All right, Karma. <laughs> yeah, Jason, we wouldn't know about them. We wouldn't know about all this swampy stuff if uh, if the swamp wasn't being drained. God is with us. No. Over on Foxhole. Thank you for the cookie. They say, did the Bidens frequent Epstein Island? I've never seen any evidence that they did. Nope. I have not. I have not seen that any evidence that they did or any testimony that they did. Afrit said, do you think it's possible Trump played a role in covering up the laptop till after the election? Not direct. Um, no, not direct. No. I think uh So I think Trump wants the narrative that the FBI and DOJ covered up the laptop quote unquote but I don't think they covered it up ever. I think it's evidence in 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 multiple investigations. So of course they're not going to go and parade it around uh, because it's they don't do that with any evidence. If you have a criminal case and you have evidence in that criminal case, you don't parade that evidence around ahead of bringing charges. So that's one. Um, two, uh, the media covered it up 
And that's a different thing. Um, you know why they covered it up. They're trying to protect the Bidens and trying to protect all the swamp creatures that they connect to. So that that makes sense. Um, but I don't. I, I think that the, it's all narrative warfare and kayfabe, and that the the timing of the Biden laptop coming out was meant to illustrate mostly how corrupt the media is and the techno oligarchs are um, and the manipulation of media and, and all of that and manipulation of uh, social media. Um, but the other thing about it is that when the laptop came out, look what happened immediately with people like Miles Guo, who's indicted and is in my opinion and in the opinion of other people, an agent of the Chinese Ministry of State Security. Him and Lewd Media and GTV put out a bunch of false information that they said was on the laptop when it wasn't, such as all sorts of child child porn and all of this stuff that wasn't on the laptop. Uh, the stuff about um, doing cocaine with Obama's daughter and, all, and her credit card, all that stuff wasn't on the laptop. But... Miles Guo and that group and the Himalaya exchange and all of that and on Parler, they they put out a whole bunch of myths and disinformation about what was on the laptop in order to flood the zone with stuff that would later be proven false, which obscured the stuff on the laptop, which was legit and deserved inspection. So I feel like they... Um, I feel like they were activated... The laptop starts becoming public and things about and like things about it become public and um they jumped the gun on purpose and then took everything to the extreme in order to obscure the actual concrete stuff that was on there. Major distraction op and it makes this is what happens over and over and over and over and over again in the truth and anon community. We get some information that is credible and the degree to which like how important that information is is correlates to the degree of mis and disinformation that gets attached to it and you see it happen over and over and over again where we get a good piece of information and then it's like this group of uh interference agents activates and obscures all that and convinces everybody to make extreme unsubstantiated claims, which later lead to us discrediting ourselves basically. Um, so like the vaccine is one of the most contentious ones where there's reasons to have, have serious concerns about the efficacy of the COVID vaccine and have concerns about, um, the dangers of the COVID vaccine and the boosters, right? Totally reasonable to have concerns about those things. There's um, lots of studies linking COVID vaccine and boosters to health issues after the fact. Totally legit to be concerned about those things. Definitely worthy of investigation. Attached to all that were tons of ridiculous Ridiculous theories about graphene and nanobots and all mercury, like all sorts of stuff and like going to be activated by 5G networks, going to turn Americans into zombies. Like 
like the watch the water garbage, like all of this stuff. COVID is actually snake venom. Like, like as soon as we get something, we're like, okay, there's something fishy here, something worthy of investigation. Um, as soon as we're on to something that has like some substantiation that needs more work and digging done, this other group of shills and misinformation agents activates and floods the zone with a bunch of garbage. And, um, you just see that, you just see that happen over and over again. So yeah, it's true that, um, yeah, I know that, um, filter dog. Yeah, that's right. James Biden owns the Island nearby or bought the island nearby, but that doesn't, I've never seen any evidence that there was any, the Bidens and the Epsteins and Maxwell ever were ever, um, ever connected. Yeah. Marco Polo is legit. Yep. If you just, there's like looking straight up at the information that's in the laptop and the Marco Polo report, the emails they collected, legit stuff. Okay, what time is it? Oh yeah, I better make sure my wife is picking up our toddler. Or else I need to go. In fact, I probably better just go. Because <laughs> by the time I, um, we t I work it out over text, I'm going to be late picking him up. Okay, let me get my exit music ready. All right, I would just say on the uh, on the on this whole topic that we were getting into about whether or not the Bidens are really corrupt or how corrupt are they or whether or not they flipped or whatever, however you want to see it. Okay, what is Hunter Biden actually guilty of? What is he not guilty of? Um, all of that. Okay, just on that that topic, I would say try to figure out what you believe whether or not it's what you what you've been told like do you believe it because that's what you were told or because you've been presented evidence that substantiates that conclusion okay just like think it's really it's really easy for us to be to get mixed up all of us to be led like like breadcrumbed in a certain direction and to arrive at conclusions based on our own biases with that and, and to mistake what we believe for what we actually know. So just think back about how much, like when you make an accusation or you make a determination about someone, just ask yourself, did you make that determination based on reporting that was, you heard repeated over and over again? Or did you arrive at that determination or that conclusion based upon substantial evidence that you're like, yep, that builds the bridge from here to there. That makes a lot of sense, right? Like just always be careful about your emotions and your own biases, building that bridge for you. Um, you wanted that bridge to be built. You want those connections to be built by actual facts and evidence. 
And then you can draw your own conclusions from that and draw your own narratives from that. And um, I know where I'm at on a lot of things, but I, I keep, I try to keep my mind open to seeing things differently. And one of the reasons I, I think about doing that, and I think it's important to do that, is because that's what I want from our opponents. Like I want our political opponents who suffer from TDS... I want them to keep to keep their mind open just a little bit to Trump not being the mobster, the corrupt orange man bad person that they have their media has told them he is. And I know you guys want that too. But think about how easy it is for them to paint Trump as orange man bad, mobster guy. Just look at all the look at all the people he's connected to who are bad. Right? But then we know that Trump actually caught those guys. We know that Trump is not bad. We know that Trump is actually like a crime fighter, that he's Batman. You know, we're having fun throwing around those labels for him, but it's literally true that he's an asset who's been catching organized crime for decades. And so we see those associations with swampy people, and then they get indicted, such as Durkatch or Furtash and... um Tom Barack and um, all these people. And we're like, and then the, the mobsters in New Jersey and New York, Scarfo and all those. And we're like, ha, Trump caught them all. And you guys think he's corrupt, but really he just gathered evidence on these corrupt people and, and caused and gave evidence to the law enforcement, law enforcement. And they charged these guys and put them in prison. It's all about how the angle you look at it, you know, and they, and like we want our political opponents to be open to that story and realize, oh, it's a horse of a different color. So I think that we should do the same. And we should be willing to enter at least entertain the pos these other other possibilities, especially since so much of the conversation about them is couched in hyperbole and um, emotional language, right? And the more you see that, the more you you know that somebody is trying to convince you of something. They're trying to, they're doing a work on you. They're doing a work. Um, anyway, just be aware of that. There is a Devolution Power Hour tonight. And uh, we, we pre-recorded it last night. So um, It'll be on tonight. I think you guys will like it. So y'all have a blessed day. I will see you at um, the Badlands event in Irvine, California this weekend. And if I don't see you there, I'll be back live next Wednesday morning for another show. Y'all, y'all stay positive. God bless you. Thank you for all your support. And remember, we're not going to win every battle. We will win this war. And I have a new song for you by um, Elegant Tiger. Um, they came out with it. They re they recorded this song and recently released it on New Year's Eve. Um, so we have a different outro song tonight. I need to change my uh, change my description so y'all can get a link to it. Here it is. See y'all.
Under you 